Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Open our eyes and our ears to the wonderful things you want to show us and teach us today. Enlighten us, Father. We thank you that your spirit is with us and among us. Uh, we give you praise and glory for your guidance and your leadership. In Yahushua's name we give thanks. Amen. All right, as I said, we're in uh, chapters 28 and 29. I want to welcome everyone online. Welcome everybody here. Thanks for being part of our fellowship and our study today. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to look the portion over, but there's a lot to be here. I, I laugh as I think about, and by the way, Gary has a lot of insight on these two chapters. No, I'm just messing. <laughs> and my brother back here, Esaias, he said he couldn't wait to talk about stuff in this portion he'd been studying all week. No, I'm teasing both of them. But I, I'm laughing because you know, I can see that the Levites, Moses is dictating, and this is a lot of stuff. And they're going, uh, 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 wait, 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 can you go back? I missed, I missed a couple of those items real quick. I mean, this is, if you don't, if they remember what happened to Adab and Abihu. If you don't get something right, you're done. And so I can imagine as he's telling all this to them, they're probably thinking, whoa, 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 whoa slow down. Wait a minute, I, I you know. I need my pen and paper. I've got to get this right. This has got to, we've got to get this down right to exact. It's in your head. We know my wife tells me sometimes, Mark, it's in your head, but you've got to make sure you get it out so that everybody understands it. So Moses, it's in your head, but you know, we've got to understand what you're saying. So we're going to talk about a lot about the feasts that are listed here in the portion. Uh, what's the purpose of the feast? And I want to remind you that without the appointed times that's listed here, there's no assembly, there's no church, there's no congregation. They come to, otherwise, they're out in the tents all the time. They're out in the fields. They come together for these things. That's what it's about. That's the assembly, the assembling of the people for those purposes, except for to go to war, right? Or when they're moving the tabernacle. But once they get in the land, other than war and these fees, that's pretty much it. So we're going to, our New Testament portion is Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start there first. So Hebrews 10, 1 says, For the law, since it has the word only, is not in the Greek. This was added, and it kind of gives the illusion that the law was something only for, and it gives this negative context, but the word only does not appear in the Greek. And so basically the right, and by the, word, what, by the way, the word has and having below, and, and I put this translation below because it would be the correct rendition, it says, for the Torah having a shadow of the good things to come. The word having and has is a present tense word. It's not a past tense word. It means it's now, it has now a shadow of the things to come currently and it is for us today the torah is a shadow of the good things to come so i put here the word below you can see it's a verb it's a present active participle present form okay so present active participles are built upon the present tense stem here and now so i just want to make sure we get that that He's not talking about something old and past in the old days. He's talking about this is still now for us, okay? Nothing has faded or diminished about God's word, his Messiah. All those things are still rolling and still true. So the shadow of Yahushua's sacrifice, the restoration and eternal life is the good things to come. The sacrifice of Yahushua is what all the sacrifices point to and is the primary and essential work of Elohim. 
they are pointing to him. Remember, Torah means hitting the mark. Well, Yeshua is the mark, so we're aiming to him, the mark, to walk as he walked, and Yeshua is just doing what the Father is doing, so that's the example. Colossians 2.16 says, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regarding, regarding to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are, and here's another instance, the word mere is not in the Greek, things which are a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Mashiach, the Messiah. So not something mere, this word mere means, makes it look like it's being diminished. No, it is essential, it is foundational, it is what dry, draws us, drives us to the goal. So Paul is telling us that the shadow reflects what is to come. The sacrifices are listed in order, starting with the daily offering. Maybe this shows us that our life is built around communion with the Most High, when you arise and when you lie down. So the fellowship with him, the communion with him, this is what our lives are built around. And we're going to see some great biblical examples of our patriarchs doing this very thing, according to the way Numbers 28 lays out the morning and evening and noontime offering. If you have questions or comments, raise your hand. The microphone will make its way to you. I'm going to back up just a little bit, so you might have to raise it a little bit. All right. Numbers 28, verse 1. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Command the sons of Israel, say to them, You shall be careful to present my offering, my food. Why do you think he says my food? Okay, go ahead. Uh, this is rather curious. I noticed in the uh, chapter that all of Yahuwah's food offerings usually consist of meat. So why are we having, like this, at this time in history, the Great Reset is pushing for a plant-based diet and trying to eliminate meat from everybody does that have something to do with something spiritual as well like eating meat has something to do with drawing near to the father I mean, i'm sure it does because passover and things we offer them so very curious why they're trying to outlaw meat and we're learning about the fall feast and the spring feast and all those type of things in this chapter well i would say this about that and I'm, I'm not here to judge anybody what they eat or what they don't eat but in the day they were drinking goat's milk that was not pasteurized. So there were live enzymes and live things in there that kept things clean, kept things moving. When men are eating meat, potatoes, and uh, they're not getting in the live things through vegetables and fruit, uh, the system isn't getting clean. And so you, this is where the clogged arteries come from. But it's my position that when they're eating, when they were partaking of the the milk, the way it was designed to be partook of, God allows that to go in and keep the arteries clean and all that. That's what enzymes, if you do your research on enzymes, they, they keep everything rolling and clean. It's very amazing. But take those out, and you're going to have problems, as we see today. Just my opinion on the diet. All right. So why do you think he says food? Why is he saying my food for my offerings by fire, soothing aroma to me at their appointed time. So this food is going up as a sweet smell to him. So I, I've always likened it to here's, they're putting this offering down on the wood. It's being burned, but it's the, the fire is consuming it. We see many times he's in the fire, but that fire is consuming the offering. So he calls it his food. He says, bring me my food at the right time. And he doesn't want it at 30 minutes past time. He doesn't want it tomorrow. He wants it at the time that he's asked for it. He wants it at that appointed time. You shall be careful to present my offering, my food, and my offerings by fire. So is this reminiscent of a covenant meal? Are the children of Israel partaking and participating? Let's think about Yeshua. It's the Passover. He's eating the Passover with the disciples, which is one of the ones listed in our listing here. And he raises the cup and says, this is my blood. This is my life. This is my body. Communal. They're sharing the meal. This is a communal thing that's happening. My food. 
Food is essential to us daily, so to these sacrifices are essential to Elohim's plan daily for us, but also the goal, which is restoration of all things. So Yahushua's sacrifice is the central point of the Most High's plan and purpose for redemption and restoration. Everything pointing to Mashiach. You guys are quiet. Raise your hand if you have comments or questions. So let's look at Numbers 28.4. It says, The one lamb you shall have in the morning and the second lamb in the evening. There's that morning and evening thing. So one in the morning, one in the evening. But what time is that? What time is the morning and evening? Acts 2.15 says, For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. Now I want you to pay attention because they're at a festival. They're at Shavuot. And he says, they've gathered for the feast. They've come to the temple for a reason. They're just, they're just not picking and choosing. Hey, you know what, let's, let's stroll down to the, to the temple. Just by chance, there's thousands of them that go at the same time they are. Just all just picking and choosing this particular time as a coincidence. And the Holy Spirit falls, starts here at this third hour of the day. We start with six, seven, eight, nine. Nine a.m., what time was it that Yeshua was laid to the stake? Third hour, 9 a.m. So you can see here that they've gathered for the incense offering, for this morning offering on a feast day. And of course, being uh, Shavuot, we'll see what, you can see what it tells what they were supposed to offer. But they're not just picking and choosing. They've come from all over to come at this appointed time. They, they can't, you know what? They're excited to be there at that appointed time. They're expecting something special to happen. Each time they come and gather when God asks what, they're, they're expected to be. Why? Because you're going to see all of these patriarchs had things special happen at those appointed times. So we should expect it. We should expect wonderful, when we show up, give him an offering from our hearts. When it's from the fruit of our lips, we should expect something wonderful. Acts 3, 1 says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And that's the evening offering time, the morning and evening. Incense is given at that time. Prayer is going up for the, to the saints in that incense. So, again, they are going at these times because this is what was asked. Psalm 88, 10 says, Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee, Selah? Shall thy love and kindness be declared in the grave, or thy faithfulness in destruction? Shall thy wonders be known in the dark, and thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But unto thee I have cried, O Yahuwah, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Just any time in the morning you think he's presenting his offering? Or is he doing it like everything else we see? He's picking that third hour. In the morning I'm going to present my offering. Faithful. Faithful. God's looking for the faithful ones. Why, have, why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou my face from, thy face from me? I am afflicted and ready to die from my youth up. While I suffer thy terrors, I am distracted. Thy fierce wrath goeth over me. Thy terrors have, have cut me off. They come around me daily like water. They encompass about together. Lover and friend hast thou put far from me, and mine acquaintances into darkness. Morning offering going on here. This man is giving an offering in the morning. Second Kings 3.20 It happened in the morning about the time of the offering of the sacrifices. What time is that? Morning, offering of the sacrifice. We saw in Acts 3, it was what hour? Third hour. That behold, water came by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with water. Now all the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them, and all who were able to put on armor and older were summoned and stood before, on the border. They rose early in the morning, and the sun shone on the water, and the Moabites saw the water op opposite them as red as blood. So the water was creating a mirage to them, right? God's in control. He's doing all this. They said, this is blood. The kings have surely fought together, and they have slain one another. Therefore, Moab, let's run to get the spoil. They're running to get what they think is a spoil. Everyone's dead, but no, that's not what's happened. But when they came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites arose and struck the Moabites. So they fled from them, and they went forward into the land, slaughtering the Moabites. Thus they destroyed the cities. 
Each one threw a stone on every piece of good land and, f and filled it. So they stopped all of the springs of water and felled all the good trees until Kirharesh Seth, only they left its stones. However, the slingers went about it and struck it. So when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through to the king of Edom, but they could not. Then he took his oldest son, who was to reign in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering on the wall. No, no, no. Oops, make a mistake here as things are going one way. Talk about turning something around real quick. Doing something that's not pleasing to the Most High turns into destruction. So not good. But we see the point is morning hour. This, this was taking place at that morning hour time. Psalm 55, 17, evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan and he hears my voice. Now, why noon? I put Numbers 28, 9, our portion here. It says, every Sabbath, in addition to the burnt offering, in addition to the morning and evening on the Shabbat, there is an additional. What time do you think it is? Noon. So when you hear him saying in Psalm 55, 17, every morning, uh, every evening, morning, and noon, what day of the week do you think this is happening on? Shabbat. It's the only day that there's an extra sacrifice of the noontime. So he's telling you exactly what day of the week he's doing this. Psalm 141.1 says, O Yahweh, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be counted as incense before you, the lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. Now people would say, well, they didn't raise their hands. Oh, that's not what that says. He says, may my hand spread out towards you be as, as worthy and as to be counted as I'm there presenting the evening offering. And like Hosea says, our lips today substitute for the bulls. So when we're praying, we're worshiping, we're coming before the king, especially at that morning and evening or on the Shabbat at noontime, this is special, special times. We should expect special. It goes on, it says, uh, let the righteous smite me in kindness and reprove me. It is oil upon my head. Do not let it hide do not let my head refuse it, for still my prayer is against their wicked deeds. Their judges are thrown down by the sides of the rock, and that they hear my words, for they are pleasant, as when one plows and breaks open the earth. Our bones have been scattered at the mouth of Sheol, for my eyes are toward you, O Yahuwah. In you I take refuge. Do not leave me defenseless. Keep me from the jaws of the trap which they have set before me and from the snares of those who do iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. So again, evening, morning, we see these patterns happening. If you have questions, we'll raise your hand. Luke 1.10 says, The whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So this would be either a morning or evening time. They're outside praying at this hour. And they're, where, where do you think they're doing it? They're outside praying. Where do you think they're doing it? Just like in Acts chapter 2, they're at the temple. They're at the place God asked them to come to. This is where you're supposed to come here. And whether it's an animal or you're coming to give just from the fruit of your lips, come here to give it at that appointed time. Yes. When you say that we're supposed to, there's supposed to be a, a noon time of prayer, does that apply to the holy day, the, the, the Sabbath that it, on the the holy days? I'd have to remember, but I know that in, in this portion it says that the Shabbat is the extra offering, as I put it up there in chapter, verse 9. I would have to go through and look again uh, to see if there was... Uh, I'm, you know, I would think, this is just thinking, obviously on Sukkot, the feast that are seven days, you're going to be on a Shabbat. So you're going to be the 70 bulls. Probably some of that was happening at the noontime offering. And I know that when you're reading Daniel, Daniel said he was praying three times a day, uh, morning, noon, and evening. Can we give another? I mean, are we, are we not to uh, offer other offerings other than the set times? No, because it says that, that David rose at midnight and prayed. So we can, we can give a noontime offering during the week, 
But what's important, what we're try- what I'm trying to emphasize is, let's make sure we give the ones that he's asking for at the times that he asked for it. We can give the other ones, but boy, you really want to show up at the time he asked for it. Yes. Two points. So the first one, um, all this is confirmed by uh, Elisha when he was uh, That's right. contending with Jezebel and, and the, the false prophets. Yes. And he remember he watered down his altar and he let them do their thing. And he says, you know, well, maybe your God's sleep, you know, scream louder and maybe he'll wake up, you know. So that's confirmation for that. Um, and the second point, I just lost my train of thought there. Um, you know, yeah. about Elisha, I think he waited because remember that when they were doing theirs, they, they were doing it all. They were wailing and crying till noon. And I think he he's purposely waiting for the appointed time to, to bring his offering. And so he wanted them, he wanted to stall. He wanted, because he did want to give it at, you know, the, the seventh hour. He didn't want to give it at the fourth hour. He wanted to give it at this particular, at the ninth hour, as I think when he gave it at the 3 p.m. time. Uh, so yeah. I, I, oh, and my second point. So it was uh, about our prayers. So any offering is valid and if it's a sincere prayer, yes. you're going to weep. And yes. what does it say in Revelations about the bowls of our tears yes. that are poured out on the golden Amen. altar of yes. incense? Yes. So that's just confirmation for everybody that doesn't have that understanding. And there it is. And if somebody wants to, I didn't put it up, but if you want to find the Cornelius, his prayer, he, he tells, you know, he's, he's sent to go get Peter to come. It was a whole, all about the sheets being let down. He, he, he tells everybody, I was praying at the appointed time of prayer, and the angel was dispatched to me as I was praying. Almost before he could even finish, it was sent to him. Daniel, it said, the angel tells Daniel, Daniel's praying at the appointed time. The angel tells Daniel, before you even finish praying, I was dispatched to you at this very hour. God was so pleased with the prayer at that appointed time. And we're going to look at another one, which is... Uh, the king, uh, Sam, uh, the king uh, Solomon. So we'll look at that one too. Revelation 8.3 says, Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer and much incense was given to him. Is he picking any time he wants to? He's in the heavenlies. He's in the real deal. Is, is he coming at the appointed time? Yes, he is. He's coming at the appointed time. So that he might add to it the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar which was before the throne and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before Yahweh all out of the angel's hand. So think of this. You're at the time when we all have our phones go off, 9 a.m., 3 p.m. We're praying at that time and in the heavens, the angel's going before the incense altar and he's putting the incense on that altar and he's mixing that incense with your prayers at that moment to arise and ascend in the heavenly place. That's pretty awesome. Because he's telling you here, that's what he's doing. Very, very amazing. Second Chronicles 13, 11. Every morning and evening, they burn to Yahuwah burnt offerings and fragrant incense, and the showbread is set on the clean table, and the golden lampstand with its lamps is ready to light every evening. For we keep the charge of Yahuwah Elohim but you have forsaken him. People have abandoned that charge. People had stopped doing what he asked to be done at the appointed time. They no longer were doing it. Obviously, when the Torah was lost and they finally found it, there were who knows how many years had gone by where they weren't even doing what he'd asked. There's a temple standing there or a tabernacle, but people were not doing, it was just not happening. Crazy stuff. Ezekiel 45. This is the offering that you shall offer, a six of an ephah from a, a homer of wheat, a six of an ephah from a homer of barley, and the prescribed portion of oil, a bath of oil, a tenth of a bath from each core, which is ten baths or a homer, for ten baths or a homer, and one sheep from each flock of two hundred from the watering places of Israel for a grain offering, for a burnt offering, and for a peace offering, to make atonement for them, declares Yahweh Elohim. All the people of the land shall give to this offering for the prince in Israel. It shall be the prince's part to provide the burnt offerings, the grain offerings, and the drink offerings at the feasts, on the new moons, and on the Shabbats. And remember, this is the Ezekiel temple 
the millennial temple that Yeshua is going to reign over, this is what's happening when Yeshua comes back. These things are happening at the appointed time. The world's going to get a whole understanding of what God is asking for at appointed times. At all the appointed feasts of the house of Israel, he shall provide the sin offering, the grain offering, the burnt offering, the peace offering to make atonement for the house of Israel. Kind of interesting that it's saying the house of Israel and it's not mentioning the house of Judah, so kind of interesting there. Exodus 37 says, And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. He shall burn it every morning when he trims the lamps. When Aaron trims the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense. My point here is I'm showing you that at the time of the evening and morning and evening offering, they are burning incense at that time. So it's an offering and an incense, both combined at those moments. So this word for burn incense is our Hebrew word katar, and it means burning incense. It was formed from the noun katoret, meaning smoke of a burning, a sacrifice or incense. It also can mean incense offering and does not indicate an inherently evil act. As a matter of fact, it was used to describe the burning of sacrifice to Yahweh in worship as it ascended heavenward in honor to Elohim. The burning of incense symbolized the prayers of Elohim's people before him. The psalmist prayed that his prayer would be like the incense before Yahuwah. Only priests in Israel could offer incense. Aaron had to burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning and every evening. This practice was to continue forever. The burning of incense as a sweet-smelling offering before Yahuwah indicated the worshippers' attempt to present prayers or offerings that were pleasing to Yahuwah. What are we doing it for? To please the king. Hallelujah. So the feasts are listed in our portion. Let's take a look at them just for a minute. All right? Question for you. In the list, let's see if you remember, which offering does not have a meal offering with it? It's the, the, the offering that does not have a meal offering is the goat offering. Yes. Has no meal. It is fulfilled in God alone. Man can do nothing to add to this sin offering. No communal meal here on the Day of Atonement. Good. Good for you. Everybody get that? All right. Pesach, unleavened bread. There is a meal offering. It's a communal meal. Yeshua is raising the, the cup and the bread. What is this about? What's, this, what's the purpose? It's about redemption and payment has been made. Pesach, redemption, payment made. We've talked about it before, how uh, the, the lot was redeemed at Pesach out of Sodom and Gomorrah. We talk about how Abraham went and redeemed Lot from the five kings on Passover. So all of these themes of redemption, and we found, uh, I keep asking Lisa where it was at, but anyway, we found in the Septuagint where it says that this is going, the future time is going to happen at Pesach, which would make sense because it's redemption time, redeeming, all right? That's what unleavened bread is about. So pointing to, it's a shadow pointing to something to come. Shavuot, revelation, light to the nations, betrothal. These are some of the things pointing to what it tells us, some of the things about Shavuot, what it's meaning to us as we're keeping the feast. Yom Teruah, reign of Mashiach, coronation, the bride returns. Very interesting, blowing of the trumpet. Sounding of the shofar. It's a blowing. And then Yom Kippurim. It's a jubilee. Return to the right owner. Israel returns, cleansing a bride. Now, I want to say this. Yom Kippurim is a return of the person, the rightful person to the, the owner to the land, right? Did you know what's interesting? Based on, you've seen me put up these the sabbatical cycles. That we're, I feel that we're in the first year of the fifth cycle. And we're in a current 50-year cycle. I mean, whether you believe it's a different year or not, there's still a 50-year cycle. So even if you're off from the one that I hold to, it's still there. But what's interesting is, when you look at, again, the, there's this return to the land. 
that should be jubilees. I remember thinking back, uh, what would be the greatest jubilee I could think of? Well, I remember when the people were released out of the concentration camps in 45. I thought, wow, this would be a great jubilee year because they're being set free. Well, in the current jubilee cycle that I'm, I hold to, which is based on uh, six different passages in Josephus and two in the scriptures, also 100 tombstones with dates on them based on Jubilee cycles. So it's a pretty good concrete evidence. Based on that cycle, 1947 was a Jubilee year. And it just so happens that was the year that Israel wrote the decree to become a state. The rightful return of the owner of the land to the land. Remember I talked about last week that, that the, the one who owns it, he bequeaths to whom he wants to bequeath the land to. And it just so happens it was a jubilee year as they signed the document to become a state. Yes. So 1947 was a jubilee year. If you count 50 years from that, that means 1996 is a jubilee year. Correct. 50 years from that would be 2045. That's right. Is that the end of like all of them? You know, I don't know. And I would ask you this. If we're in the 20... Fifth year, 26th year of the cycle, with another 21 years left. Do you see, and add 50 to that, do you see another 71 years, no, 81 years still left before he comes back? It would seem hard to believe, wouldn't it? I mean, but if it's there. not this cycle, we're talking another 81 years or 71 years. Yeah, 71. 50 plus 21, which is left in this cycle. So, yeah, that's a long way forward to go. Yeah, and there's so much happening. Yes. So I don't think the jubilees are going to end when we enter into the millennial kingdom. No, that's, that's the start. That's right. That's yeah. the eighth it's, day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And it's an, another cycle begins, doesn't it? Yeah, With the, just like always, when that one begin ends, another cycle is beginning. Oh, Deborah, she's ready to talk about jubilees. <laughs> Yeah, there it is. Um, I just wanted to say I found that in the Septuagint, the one that you were referring to, it was Jeremiah 31, 8. It says in the Septuagint. Can you read it? Behold, I lead them from the north. I will gather them from the ends of the earth in a holiday Passover. Ooh. And it continues. I will gather them from the ends of the earth on the festival of Passover. Huh? Yeah, redemption, right? I mean, God's is a restoration and redemption of all things. I mean, it's a, he's restoring everything back to what it was. So that was Jeremiah thirty-one eight in the Septuagint. That's in the, the Septuagint. only way it reads that way. It's the only place I have found that says when we. How many of you believe that he does things on feasts? Seems to be right. Seems like things happen on feasts. So I did. I'm doing a lot of research, typing in feast dates and in, in Septuagint and some of the other texts. I found this, I was shocked that here it's being declared in the Septuagint that it's on a Passover festival, which would make sense. So, very cool stuff. Sukkot, gathering of the nations, final victory. Let's turn our attention back to the daily offering or the prayer. Let's look at that for a second. The hour of prayer, what's happening here? What's happening at this hour of prayer? We've talked about the incense. We've talked about the animal burning out there. But what, what we don't see, what we're missing, is how many people are gathered. Remember Acts? We just read Acts. Think, take your mind back there. Everyone's come from all. They, they said there was, I think I recounted, 11 different languages were represented. And they're all there. They've come from all these places to come and be there. They've traveled distances, journeys. They've, this pilgrimage have come, as Gary song, the pilgrims. This is the pilgrimage time. And they're coming, and they want to come before the Most High, and they want to come at the time he asked to come. Father, I'm here at the feast, but I'm also here at the appointed time of prayer. I'm here to give to you. Be pleased with my heart. Be pleased with my, my offering. Be pleased with me, Father, because I, I love you and I want to serve you. And you're talking thousands upon thousands. For sure, in Acts 3, we're talking about 3,000 for sure right here at this moment. So myriads of people coming to be there. And we know that when the Yeshua comes back, he's going to stand on Mount Zion, and there's going to be millions upon millions there. 
to come before the Most High at the appointed time. Polly has her hand up. I think there's probably a lot that we don't know or understand yet about the appointed times and why they're significant. But if we look at those that don't serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we see in either New Age or um, name any other belief, something they do seem to see is that there's special times and places where they have a desire to do whatever they're going to do. There's significance to them either in a whatever portal they may view or however they may view it. They see significant things. So the Father, I believe, is showing us something in the spiritual world through these appointed times and places that we probably don't fully understand completely. I want to talk about Pesach a little bit because it's coming up and understanding covenants and the way they look, something that the Father showed us last year, we began to see a greater meaning of these sacrifices and the blood that was shed, the life in those animals and why it was shed, the purpose it was shed, but we could talk about that later. Going back to Pesach, you mentioned it's about redemption. It's also about covenant. It's redemption of those that have made a decision to enter into and be a part of a covenant that the Most High made. And so that's why the partaking of the fruit of the vine and the the bread and the meal that accompanies it is very important because as part of that covenant, you are partaking of the life of the living word of God, our Messiah, within us. And the covenant meal is speaking about now nourishing and growing that, that meal. I mean, that, uh, that new individual through the meal. Yes. So when you were talking about earlier, the, um, the father talking about, this is my food, there, there's more to it that we don't understand, I think, about in partaking of that meal with us because we are becoming, we're nourishing that new being that, he, that the Most High dwells within us through his Ruach and Messiah, and we, you know, it's, it's a, we dwell within each other in a new being, a new created being. Amen. Mike, were you fact-checking that Jeremiah 31? Right here. She's right. Uh, it's actually in the Septuagint, chapter 38, but uh, it is 31 in the English Bibles. But it doesn't mention P- Pesach in English Bibles, right? Yeah. yeah. Pretty cool stuff. Gary. You know, I've been at this a long time, and years ago, I remember a certain individual in the community was, was all crazy about green ears of barley. And waiting for news, and he says, "Hey, they just said they found some barley on the side of the road in Israel, so now we can start counting." Well, then you told me about a year ago that only on the night of Passover, the 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 moon appears in the hand of the woman holding the green ears of barley. Yes. If it's the night before, it's in the chest. If it's the night after, it's in the feet. But on the night of Passover, the way you're counting it. Yes. Meaning using the conjunction moon. Then you said Yom Kippur, I believe, was the goat. It, yes. The moon's in the goat. What was the other holy day? Uh, on Shavuot, the moon is in the king star. Only in the king star that one day. Okay. So it's three, the three, basically the three pilgrimage festivals are showing three witnesses in the heavens to mirror exactly what's happening or what's going on here. Because on Shavuot, the king came down in the cloud on fire. So the king's coming and they're, they're seeing you know, the moon's in the king. But when, when, I, when you told me about that Passover, it was a big deal to me. <laughs> I've, I've seen so much confusion over the years. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you tell me that it only occurs on the night of Passover that the moon is in the hand of the woman holding the green ears of parley. 
And I got a spiritual jolt on that, and I knew it was truth. And I, I think you're right, and you're on the right track on this thing that you're doing. And praise the Almighty. He's the one that showed it to me, and I, I had spent eight months searching it out. But, you know, the, it's, it matches what Genesis 1.14 says. It's the sun, the moon, and the stars is what's determining it. And so the stars are the groupings of the stars, which called constellations. They give us the witness. They tell us. So the moon is in that constellation. The stars and the moon and the stars are confirming. I mean, can you imagine? They're down here on earth. They're slaughtering the goat on Yom Kippur. And they're looking up that evening, and the moon is in the goat. I mean, what kind of, I mean, what, just only God, it's only one goat in all of the heavens. And it's only there that one, that one time. It's not there the next day or the day before. It's out of it. So it's just really, really crazy. So yes, the hour of prayer, something significant. So I want to read you a couple more things, and we're going to close. 1 Kings 8.44 says, If your people go out to battle, and this is Solomon praying. He's, this is a dedication of the altar. When your people go out to battle against their enemy, by whatever way you shall send them, and they pray to Yahuwah toward the city that you have chosen and the house that I have built for your name. In other words, here in Mesa, we were praying at the evening offering. We were at 3 o'clock. We were th praying, facing Jerusalem, praying that Shema. And he says, in the cities that you've sent them, in the nations you've sent them, and the house I built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer and their plea and maintain their cause. Whoa. He says, when they're, when they're in Mesa, the place you've scattered them, when they're in Australia, when they're in the Philippines, when they're in whatever, and they look towards this place and pray at the appointed time, hear their prayer and maintain their cause. Now, you want to talk about how pleased God was with him saying that? Remember, before he finishes, fire comes down from heaven and ignites the whole altar. God's like, yes! Boom! <laughs> but if they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them and give them to an enemy, so that they are carried away captive to the land of the enemy far or near, yet if they turn their heart in the land which they have been carried captive, and repent and plead with you in the land of their captors. Remember, this is what's happening in Egypt, and this is what I believe is happening in Babylon. And probably what's happened since. What's happened to us. We, plead, we pleaded in the land of captivity here. This isn't the land we're supposed to be at. We pleaded here. And they repent and plead to you in that land, saying, We have sinned and we have acted perversely and wickedly. If they repent with all their heart, with all their soul, with all, in the land of their enemies who carried them captive, and pray to you toward their land, which you gave to their fathers, the city, I love it, we, the city of Elohim was the last song today, the city of Elohim, toward the city that you get, have given and chosen, and the house that I have built for your name. Then hear in heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their plea, and maintain their cause. Forgive your people who have sinned against you and all their transgressions that they have committed against you and grant them compassion in the sight of those who carried them captive that they may have compassion on them for they are your people and your heritage which you brought out of Egypt from the midst of the iron furnace. Now this is reiterating what Deuteronomy 9.29 says. It says, For they are your people and your heritage, whom you brought out by your great power and by your outstretched arm. When did that happen? That happened on Pesach. That happened on the day that Jeremiah says a future gathering is going to happen. Do you think God does things more than once on the same event so that we know we can trust in him that he's not going to flip flop on us we can trust that his, if he did it on Passover if he redeemed everybody out of Egypt on Passover maybe it's going to happen on Passover again yes it was interesting while you were reading that I was seeing something and it was the inside of a lock 
that when it was that the components were all turned to a specific click, 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 that it opened. And so it's possible that in God's whole plan of the way things work, that when we do things as we're supposed to, it's those little click, 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 clicks at his appointed times that open certain things at those times. Amen. That not that there's not other times that things can be, you know, communicated and um, take place, but I think there may be something significant about those little clicks that open up that specific lock at those times. So this is happening. This prayer is happening at either the 9 a.m. or the 3 p.m. offering time. If anybody knows which one it is, please tell me. I wasn't quite sure which one it was, but obviously it's happening at one of the times. He's praying at this appointed time of prayer. Incense is rising. The sacrifice is burning. There's smoke in two different places rising to God inside the holy place, outside at the golden, uh, uh, at the bronze altar. And, and Solomon is raising his hands. He's spreading his hands out towards heaven, praying. There's thousands of people all over inside watching. And boom, fire comes down saying, yes. What a sight that must have been. Oh, I would have loved to have seen it. One of the, one of the few things I would love to have been there to witness. Now I want to take you to Nehemiah's prayer. Nehemiah 1.1 says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, now it happened in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel. He's in the land of captivity, right? He's in Susa. Modern-day Persia or, or modern-day Iran, right? That Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah and asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Yahuwah, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive to your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel. When is he doing it? I'm praying for them morning and evening. Day and night, I'm praying for your children. I'm praying for Israel. Your servants confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you, even I and my father's house, we have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Similar plea we make here during that hour of prayer. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But, this is like what Solomon was praying, If you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Yahuwah, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today. That's maintaining the cause. Father, maintain my cause here as Solomon said you were pleased with it. You know, maintain my cause, give me success, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Wow. What a prayer. This is what the men of the ancient old days did they counted on God's promises they remembered what he said they called him to his word they said you know you you said this now hear my prayer hear my plea I'm giving you this offering at the time you're asking and I'm 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 repenting to my very being and asking not only for me but I'm repenting for everybody I'm asking forgiveness for the whole now, there are people that say that you can't repent for others, but what is he saying here? What's he doing? Is he repenting for others? He is. He's repenting for others. And you know what? God hears him. God grants his request. God sees the heart of the man. 
and says, yes, you're, you're humble, you're repentful, and you're calling upon me at the hour. I hear it, but man, at this hour, I really hear it at this hour. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you that you have shown us today that we can come to you and pray. And as a matter of fact, it says in the New Testament we are to pray without ceasing. But Father, there is special times. There's appointments for prayer. There's prayer times that are appointments with you. And Father, I pray that whenever we're praying at these appointments that we remember these prayers that have been said in the past and how you maintained their cause because they had a, a humble heart and they repented before you that they came to you uh, pleading to you to hear their prayer crying out to you to hear their petition and father you answer father may we be confident to know that when we come to you and we've we've glorified you and exalted you before we ask we've magnified you and, and praised your righteous and holy name exalting you for who you are and then ask Humbly, they forgive us of our sins and then ask our request that you are merciful, gracious, full of loving kindness, and you will hear the prayer of your servant. We thank you, Father, that we can count on these things. We can trust in them, that, Father, we have a peace of, our, peace of mind and peace in our being to know that this is what we can trust because you're faithful. We glorify you and praise you for these enlightening words, words that give confidence to us, boldness. We glorify and praise you in your son, Master Hushua's name. Amen. Now we get to say Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Thank you all here. Have a blessed rest of your Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom.